Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review. I'm Scott McLeod, your usual host. Uh, I've been recently referred to as the workhorse of Rogue of Things, almost the intercontinental title of Rogue of Things, if you were. And so for this episode of the Smackdown Review, I am joined by the European title of Rogue of Things. And it has its role, but it's not as fondly remembered as the IC or where it wasn't as important when it was around. It's uh, Resumble. <laughs> Uh, thank you for the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that means that, because I'll take that, the European title is a best looking belt, so I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I like the European belt, so I, I tried to find decent ways to make that an insult as well as a compliment. You, you could have called it the Demon belt, that would have been, a, 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 that would have been an insult. <laughs> yeah, I'll try, fit it, I'll try and fit it into uh, titles that are in at this time, you know, like Rahul, uh, I believe, is. Role, I believe, is a hardcore title in that. I mean, there are fond memories <laughs> of it, but it's not around, around often enough. Uh, <laughs> and, well, I think it's best that when you think about it, like, let's, let's leave it in memories and not bring it back, because when was the last time Rahul was on a podcast? <laughs> uh, that would have been one we did with me and Carl. That was what said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. <laughs> yeah. Right, we're here to talk about SmackDown. It's the 4th of November episode of SmackDown. We're just over a week and a bit away from Survivor Series 99. But as is tradition on this show, I will talk about some of the, the big moments I have on Raw, starting with the ones that really don't factor in to SmackDown. But when we come to the pay-per-views, they, they sometimes add context. So I'll talk, talk about some of the lesser moments of SmackDown and then talk about the big moments that tie into the show. See, we had a... Very bold head bangers versus Dudley's match on Raw, and you know it was boring because the crowd started chanting "boring" during the match. Because <laughs> like, I know that he's still a big thing on this like, in this time period, and like, the head bangers have been a thing with Dudley's that started on Sunday Heat, and then he doing this thing with the posse, which also apparently started on Heat. Like, I got I've not got enough to take me to watch Heat. Like, just don't say, "Oh, we all know what happened on Heat." Well, maybe we don't. Maybe some of us don't want to watch you tell us what happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree. It was boring. The fucking headbag was one of the fucking DDT and then got into a thing with the Main Street Posse after the match. So, yeah, it was as exciting as it sounds. Yeah. Well, yeah, I should mention this because we've got a similar vignette on this show. I just put in my notes in all caps. Kurt Angle. Yes. As we're getting the 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 build to the debut of the Olympic gold medalist, <laughs> oh, Kurt, Kurt Angle is just brilliant. These 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 media packages are just just they're just beautiful. <laughs> it's what it, it, if I could bring it to modern day, it's what should have happened with Chad Gable. They could have done this with Chad Gable, and it would have been perfect. Yeah, because in this, this first one, he's talking about he's just hyping up all the things that he's won and all these accomplishments, and then. The second vignette that happens on SmackDown, he just first mention of the three eyes, and uh, the best thing about it is it ends with something that you would you would ask the, the ring announcer to always refer to him as for the next few first few months of his run. He's referred to as the most celebrated real athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I think is it Kurt Angle was your thing at that point, probably the most legitimate wrestler they had in the whole thing, and he was able to embody the goofiness of professional wrestling at the same time. Brilliant. This is brilliant. 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Kurt Angle. And we had a match with China and Stevie Richards because Stevie Richards came out dressed as China last week. Uh, China's got an instrumental version of her Don't Dream Like a Woman, so, and I think that by next week she'll have the actual proper version, so at least she's not using Triple H's theme song anymore. Uh, That's good. And a class bit of feminism, she's got a t-shirt that says Master, while Miss Kitty has a t-shirt that says Slave. So, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't have the dynamic of the, 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 the group. <laughs> yeah, it's like, see Richard comes out, he dresses Chris Jericho, gets absolutely battled. Yeah, China <laughs> wins with a pedigree. And then Jericho comes out and attacks her, and something that we'll notice over the next couple of episodes of Smackdown is and even though Jericho's acting like a heel, and Morphin out there is making him like, do the same thing that, he, that Jeff Jarrett did, uh, be a heel by insulting all women and all that, Jericho, unlike Jarrett, gets cheered no matter what he does to China. <laughs> I, it just shows that the level of charisma that Jeff Jarrett and Chris Jericho have. Jericho is miles ahead of Jeff Jarrett in every way. I know. Uh, Poor Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Al Snow and Mick Foley have a segment backstage where they're like, looking through copies of Mankind's book, Mankind signing copies of it to each member of the roster, like he signed a copy to Midian and all that. Al Snow's <laughs> going through it, counting the amount of times that, Al, that Mick Foley takes the piss out of him. I'm sure, I'm sure in this segment he gets to 69. <laughs> <laughs> oh, attitude era. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, oh, they then they later on take on uh, Albert and the boss man and during the match Val Venus comes down because for some reason this feud is continuing between them despite the fact that again as I said Val, Val Venus won cleanly I think at no mercy they've had a match since but like just let it go Val it's like they've been feuding even up until the other segment I think on on the last on the goal home side for Survivor Series and yet, they're not, they're far apart at Severity. Severity, Mankind is in a tight team title match, and Valvinus is in a random Survivor Series match. So, like, yeah. thing, like, why are you keeping this going? Hey, hey, gimmick infringement is not something to, uh, you don't keep up on it. If someone's took your gimmick, you will chase it and chase it and chase it, regardless of how many times you kick their ass. I couldn't believe that. That was, that was on, uh, yeah, the next one, but. Yeah, it just it feels like it gets taken modern times. Feel a bit like Roman and Corbin. Just just let it go. I know. Like that just sums it up. Uh, being like Roman and uh, this dive match against Bossman Albert. It's a no DQ match, so it was at least a bit of fun. Bossman goes to use powder. It ends up in his own eyes. So he accidentally hits uh, Albert with a Bossman slam without realizing that he's hitting his own partner. Uh, <laughs> Albert gets sent through a wooden door as opposed to a table to give Mankind and Al Snow the win. And then backstage, we have, we see Val Venus putting copies of Mankind's book into a trash can and then lighting the trash can on fire. Okay, like, I think they really grasped its straw to keep this view continuing and also, as we've said before, it's basically one big long advert for McFoley's book. Ah, it's a good book. It's a good book. That's best selling author. So mm-hmm. you, you can't knock it slowly. Yeah, I was going to ask if you'd, you'd read the book. Cause I actually, I've had it for a while and I've, I've hadn't read it. But I'm making my way through it right now. 
I'm like nearly halfway through and I'm really enjoying it. I've, I've got to get a read. Are we watching some more wrestling books? I mean, I've, I've got Daniel Bryan's Yes one. That's, that's a good read. And I've got... Um, I've just got a couple of them that some of my friends bought from Watson and stuff like that. So they are quite good, but I, I definitely need to pick up that, that uh, Mick Foley one. Yeah, I'm really enjoying a like, random tangent from it. Uh, he talks about Abdullah the Butcher and working with him in the early days of like, his early WCW run. And said that Abdullah Butcher once held in a fart for 200 miles while they were driving just so not to offend McFoley's wife. <laughs> oh, sounds good. I've, got, I've definitely got to give it a read. Definitely. Yeah. I think for me, the reason I, I struggle against it is it talks a lot about his college days and when he came up with Did Love, which for me just wasn't easy to get into. But when he actually starts, starts talking about his training days and basically the lackluster version of the Indies that they had at the time, that's yeah. when you really you really start to get an easy story, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> not the last we see of Val Venus and Mankind on Raw, because Val Venus has a match with Test, and uh, it seems like they just swept the whole Stephanie's got amnesia storyline under the rug, as they basically, especially Test and Stephanie are back together. Stephanie's on commentary, and to be fair, she holds her own against King, because King keeps trying to basically tell her how much of a loser Test is, but she just, she's having none of it. Uh, King is insufferable. I think that's, I put that in my notes in the show. <laughs> Jer- Jerry Lawler is insufferable. Mm-hmm. You know, with Val Venus, when he was starting to have a sort of main event run, when he was fighting like the Stone Cold and Mankind, he was occasionally thrown in these like porn star jokes, but they try to present him as a serious guy. But now, over the last couple of weeks, you've noticed him slip more and more back into proper porn star Val Venus. So basically, the indication of, yeah, you're back in the mid card now. This is where you belong. Just don't get any ideas. You just stay here. <laughs> oh, can you imagine that? Val Venus takes Austin for the title. I know. Oh God. <laughs> oh, you don't want to think about it, but now it just feels like you stay here. If you say anything other than you're gonna, I want to be in the main event. You will be fired. <laughs> Just quote uh, the rock, know your role, and shut your mouth. Nothing to really say about Valvinas versus Test, but Mankind does come out, and I don't know what kind of finishes maybe because it's very hard. So sometimes when stuff should be a DQ, it often isn't. So I guess it's just a no contest, or maybe Test wins by DQ. So and Stephanie comes into the ring, and basically she wants to make to make let me be engaged again. She wants to continue with them being married. Uh, then she says she's going to break from tradition and she proposes to Tess and which is nothing wrong with that but I think the purpose of this and from some stuff we'll see in the next uh, episode or so I think they're trying to make Tess look like an idiot no like the idea I think back in the 90s I don't think it would be seen as that the day but I think the idea that he's like especially the way King was trying like Oh well, loser having to have his girlfriend propose to him, and then <laughs> they try and present him very weakly in, in this episode of SmackDown, and especially in the Go Home episode of SmackDown when we get to that. And I think when you see what the culmination of the storyline is for Tess and Stephanie, I think they're basically setting them up for like the eventual fall that will come. What should that should elegance that we think might happen? Well, I, I, I wonder who I wonder who that involves. We'll see. 
<laughs> and like this episode of Raw is most of the shows have been the last week since they reunited. It was a very much an all DX show. They're all over the place, and you don't even have to watch Raw to see that because like the op- cold opening of SmackDown is basically DX watching what happened on Raw, and they they don't leave anything out. It's like somebody taped Raw and then cut out the bits that didn't involve DX, and then they're all just sitting backstage watching watching what happened. I, I will say, yeah. though, a, refre- a refreshing thing from what is a DX watching the perspective of Raw from them, is to see them watching TV the correct way, sitting down, watching it from, not standing to the side, with the neck arch, like an idiot, like most wrestlers do. That was, that was the thing I took away from that, was them sitting down, watching TV properly. Yeah. Uh, we had Rock taking on Road Dog. At the start of Raw, Rock does his usual stick, comes out, he sings Smackdown Hotel. He says that Road Dog is nothing but a blemish on the Rock's buttocks. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, the match doesn't really go more than a couple minutes before they brawl at the ramp and basically an excuse for DX to come out and jump the Rock, which yeah. annoys DX and he you know, follows kind of this weird feud with Vince and Triple H that's going on. And he... Dory confronts Xbox. Xbox basically implies that Kane's dick got burnt uh, went in the fire when he was younger. <laughs> oh, Xbox, you insufferable prick. Oh, penis jokes. Yay. <laughs> uh, what was slightly more decent was Austin versus Billy Gunn. You know, Austin did kind of beat up Gunn for the, like, the majority of the first half. And Austin gets cut at one point, but it's really hard to pinpoint where exactly that happened. Uh, well, Austin looks quite smart here because you can see DX coming down the ramp just as he has the match in hand. So anticipating it, he slides out the ring, grabs the chair. So like, unlike most people who just get jumped by the heels, he's like, he's ready for like, all right, then come ahead. Let's go, bitches. I think they showed it on SmackDown when they showed where Austin was fighting. It was Billy Gunn just caught him. I think mm-hmm. he's in touch. Potential play, I think, just actually caught him on the, the island and just started playing. But then Austin sold it perfectly by uh-huh. smiling and being Austin. It's been a badass. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, Keen and X Fuck. Uh, basically, this is very much like the Rock. It barely goes to a match. Keen immediately goes to for a choke slam DX. And if you're almost as soon as the match started, uh, there's a brawl backstage amongst Vince, DX, and like some of uh, Vince's like, agents. And then this leads to Shane McMahon getting a shot at Triple H for the WF title. But, you know, not best in the world, Shane, just yet. Otherwise, he definitely would have won that title. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, can you imagine? I mean, what do you think he went for six years? He was off trading to become the best in the world. (laughs) (laughs) No, but in fact, I think Shane better... In the old, in not saying the action or stuff like that, than he is now. Because Shane now is just, oh, it's so, it's like, it's like watching your dad trying to relive his youth. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you're playing football with your friends, your dad goes, oh, let me have a kick about it. And he just kicks the ball and he breaks his ankle and falls on the floor and just goes, just, just go away. <laughs> you're not wanted anymore. Go, go away. Go watch Songs of Praise. <laughs> 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 Oh, okay. Uh, Vince, it's weird the way that Vince tries to start the day against Triple H and like DX because more than that, 
you'd expect this from Heel McMahon doing this to Triple H, but it's weird to see him face events doing this to somebody where he makes himself the guest rag announcer. He puts Kane as the outside enforcer, the Rock's the timekeeper, and Austin's on commentary for this, basically, so they can all see FTX and one by one, eventually, Kane takes out Xbox, Rock takes out Road Dog so that they can interfere. And then finish comes when uh, a big thing will play into SmackDown. Vince goes to help Shane by hitting Triple H with the title, but Triple H stucks and he hits Shane by accident. Triple H takes advantage to retain it. And also, a big thing is JR saying, Oh, well, I hope that was an accident. And then they, they asked, what did JR mean by that line at least a thousand times during this episode of SmackDown? Oh, God, they did. It was irritating. Mm-hmm. Also, Just let him explain. He explained it four times. Listen to me. I know. <laughs> the, the thing with DX opening the show, watching this footage, they're watching it. I think it's a road dog that's taped it. And randomly in the middle of it, you see two lads having sex for some reason in the middle of the tape. Like, <laughs> mum's tape, tried, almost taped over the, the raw. And then Triple H just turns to the road dog and says, I didn't realise they were hung like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, given that DX are insufferable, they are hilarious at the same time as well. It just looks like, it looks like four guys just having the time of their lives with each other. I mean, mm-hmm. it is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But he has uh, dicks. They went from the, the cool kids at school that you want to be a part of when they're originally run to now being the jocks that thought they were cool and that bullied everybody. Yeah, especially with that hat. Triple H looks like a London cabin. <laughs> oh, yes, the, the leather cat that'll be a part of his, his look for a while. I'm, I'm waiting for the denim jacket with the sleeveless denim jacket over that look that he uh, often wrote. That was what, two, th- 2000. Was that 2002, something like that, when he came out in, in, in all denim? Yeah. And you just like go, oh, 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 no. Because I just remember, like, Triple H, especially as a heel, burn really getting a mi- weird mixture of leather and denim that made him look like fucking bulk from Bulk and Skull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, so, yeah. but, who told him? Yes. Yes, that hat looks cool with your look. Uh, just, just, just no. <laughs> I think I'm, a lot of my notes are, are my, a lot of my notes in here are on fashion stuff. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear some more. Uh, they look, they look at the footage and obviously Triple H tries to like sort of like, ooh, I wonder what Jr. meant by that. Talking about what he said about Triple H and uh, Vincent Chain and. Poor JR, he's going to get royally yelled at by multiple people throughout the show. But Oh, gotcha. So after their big tag win on Raw, that's apparently enough for Arsenal and Mankind to earn a shot at the WF tie team titles against Hardcore and Crash Holly. But before that, the uh, I knew this was a thing around this time, but I didn't realise they'd mentioned on TV the uh, Arsenal action figure controversy. Yes, where the, uh, the mannequin head was thought to be an actual severed woman's head that Al Snow carried around with him and uh, we thought it sent a bad message and the commentators did not handle it well. They, they, they tried, instead of being diplomatic, oh, like they maybe misconstrued what happened and they're like, 
idiot says that this is a some idiot woman says that this is a severed woman's head. That's ridiculous. They don't get the WWF like yeah. <laughs> mature guys. That's basically yeah, what they handle it. It was just, it was just you know, Lola at his best, Michael Cole at his goofy worst. And I think one of my notes was they compared it to domestic abuse. And mm-hmm. um, they just went at that house and they kept going at that woman saying she's stupid, they got discontinued and stuff like that. But it didn't look like Alston okay, but this is an important part of the story with that, uh, with Val Venus. And, and then if you look at the, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, someone from the crowd throwing a soccer. Yes, some of the crowd from the soccer and Alston picked it up and gave it to mankind. And yeah, <laughs> it was all just goofiness. What well, people seem to forget is fucking it's a part of a double back that action figure and it had hardcore Holly in it. <laughs> God. I didn't see that, but all of a sudden Al Snow and the head and then they're not slapping that woman. I didn't see uh, hardcore Holly in there, but then the story of the whole match just seemed to follow the action. It was about the action figure. And, uh, yeah. Not, not about the tag titles or anything like that. It's the action figure. Yes. Like, everybody talks about, oh, Alston's action figure, Alston's action figure, I've taken off the shelf. Like, yeah, Hardcore Holly lost his action figure when he did nothing wrong. I <laughs> <laughs> um, will say this about the Holly, though. Bob Holly is the embodiment of charisma. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, isn't he? You should have heard him on commentary last week. Oh, oh, I bet, I bet that was a sight to behold. <laughs> it was Nathan's favourite part of the show. He just, he absolutely, he just looks bored. Or he's bored, or he's that, that two-faced expression, bored and angry. <laughs> and even when he wins, he's angry, because he's mysterious and I'm a hardcore man. No, you're not. No. <laughs> just, 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 just no. Well, yeah, I said to Nathan before, like, the whole super heavyweight thing he's doing with Crash was, like, the most charismatic thing he ever did in his career. And yet he's so, he's got so little charisma that they gave this gimmick to Crash just by himself because they knew Crash would pull it off better by himself and not being pulled down by the charismaless vac- by the charismaless fucking Bob Holly. Oh, no, C- Crash Holly's hilarious. Even yeah. the, the brief, the brief season of this match, he's hilarious, and, we'll, and obviously we'll we'll get to the results of the match, but at the end, even C- Crash Holly somehow gets over, and Bob Holly just looks, again, Bob Holly just looks weak as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suppose. The the thing with the action figure, like they don't handle it very well. Like Michael Cole trying to sound like, oh, those idiots. When it's, you could not sound more like Vince has his hand up your ass and is moving you like a fucking puppet, Michael. Like, <laughs> it reminds me of when, like this this past year's Royal Rumble, when Michael going, I don't want to hear anyone saying Brock Lesnar doesn't work shit hard enough or stuff like that. Like. It was very much like Jesus you could not sit with more simply Vince's words coming through you. And that is, like, I, I think that's one of the issues people have had with Michael Cole over the years, that it's often him being used to feed through the thoughts of other people rather than being yeah. authentic and being himself. Except for when he was on, like, SmackDown with Taz back in the day, but at this point, and kind of nowadays, he's kind of just used to just repeat whatever's been yelled in his ear. I, I, will, I will defend Michael Cole in a way. I think the best Michael Cole that we've had recently was the UK tournament that he did. Because mm-hmm. he sounded like he didn't have anyone in his ear telling him what to say and pull it, put, uh, 
promoting the network and stuff like that. It just felt like a man calling the wrestling and enjoying it. And yeah, that that was the Michael Cole of that we should be be used to. But as you say, yeah, he's got he does have Vince's hand up his ass and. I do, I do generally think sometimes, is there multiple versions of Michael Cole? Is there like, just like a production line of Michael Cole clones that Vince uses? Right. I want to get something over really well this week. I'm going to put uh, the uh, Uber ass kissing Michael Cole out. <laughs> and there's other times where I just can't be asked. So I'm going to send out the normal, the original Michael Cole. And then even those, even those are insufferable. Like, I like Michael Cole, like, especially with like, the run I said with Taz. In SmackDown, like especially during the like the brand split, and I think back then, especially they had Paul Heyman kind of producing them and yeah. instead of Vince McMahon, so it was less hands-on. So Michael Cole was at his best, but this is definitely overly produced. Michael Cole and also Gerald yeah. Lawler being Gerald Lawler, and I think what happened is the Snow would get another action figure, but this time the head would be like a plastic like styrofoam head with like no face on it. <laughs> to try and avoid controversy. But... <laughs> I, I, I bet there was a Karen out there who complained. Like, I think when you see the actual head that he brings out, it's clear that it's a mannequin, but we, I think oh, it's, harder to, it's harder to distinguish it when it's just a tiny plastic thing that comes with the action figure. Yeah, but uh, it's just, as I say, it's a Karen being stupid, and she just took offence because that's what Karens do. They also brought up the fact that it has says "Help me" on the on the front of the the forehead, which was maybe which also may imply that Alison was kidnapped this woman before her cutting her head off. Like the way they described it, Alison might as well have had a box like something at a seven coming with his action figure that you can put the head in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be fun. But we're forgetting that there was a fatal match here, and Elf Snow gets worked over for the early part. Uh, there's a funny bit where Mankind's ramming crashes his head into the turnbuckle, going over doing his usual Mankind's All wrestlers have that weird noise that they make during moves, and that was Mankind's. They pick up quite quickly that they win. Alston, sorry, uh, Mankind hits the double arm DDT, and Alston and Mankind win the tag titles. And I'll be honest with you, I forgot this even happened. I forgot they even had a tag title ring. Well, let, let, let's watch it. It's not exactly long, is it? <laughs> no. Um, but no, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, Tim White does tell Alston a lot in this match. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, Alston's just standing there, and Tim White tells him off for just standing there. Obviously, for the shenanigans of hardcore and Crash Holly to do, you know, do, do their thing, but uh, but we get to the end of the Bob Holly. He's not happy. He does his <laughs> second face of he does his second face of angry, and the Holly's brought with each other at the end, and um, yeah, that's how it ends that match. But I do want to say one thing though: throughout the whole match, Michael Cole cannot stop selling Bossman versus Big Show. <laughs> I think in this whole match, we've heard it five times. And then at the end of this match, when the when the Hollows are brawling, it just cuts to a screen uh, cuts to a screenshot of Bosma versus uh, Big Show while the Hollows are still brawling. <laughs> I uh, I didn't know that I didn't know that Bosma versus Big Show was a was a huge match. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I know I know, know the storyline going forward, yeah, but 
Ooh, ooh. That's what you want to see. Big Show versus Boss Man. Like, I know it, it's not a real problem. I know the Hollies had a brief title when they defended the title a lot during their two weeks that they had the titles, more than you'd expect. And then I forgot that they'd lost them to Snow and Mankind. And yeah, it doesn't take them more than 10 seconds, even like it's basically less than that, before they're brawling as soon as they've lost the tag titles. And yeah, and then Mankind and uh, I'll snuggle back to what's clearly the very much the mid-card locker room. And you see who they're celebrating with, they've got blue media in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Edgy Christian. Edgy Christian. Very, <laughs> very, I love that, the mid-card. I love that, the mid-card dressing room. That's brilliant. Well, like, you look at the kind of people wearing, like, the blue mini, and Mankind, which does set up one of the few good bits of this, this SmackDown, because this isn't the most entertaining SmackDown, in my opinion, but it sets up one, one of the decent bits of this SmackDown, which is Mick Foley saying, I've got some stuff I need to take care of. You keep the celebration going, Al. And uh, Mankind leaves to go find Val Venus. <laughs> yes. Uh, the places you went to to find them were brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Just brilliant. Uh, but, <laughs> I just I can't get over the mid-card. The mid-card dressing room. That's brilliant. <laughs> but no, it just says a lot, because at the start, the start of 99, Mankind was WWE champion fighting The Rock and stuff like that and it's gone from WWE champion starting the year to be tag champ by mm. the end of the year um, just, it's just a shame because Mick Foley the main event was just is brilliant uh-huh. I think a lot of this is to do with like he does a lot of tag stuff in any name like first with The Rock and now Al Snow I think yeah. this is a case of like injury wise uh, I think it's better for Mick to be a tag team because obviously he had to the hell on a cell bump to year four. He had like the multiple chair shots to the head at the rumble and the street of the rock. So, like, it's not as if he slowed down with the dangerous ones after hell on a cell. So, I think the wear and tear yeah. is starting to show for him. I, I, I'm shocked the man can still walk today. I know he's got walk proper, I'm shocked the man is still able to function mm-hmm. to this day. The, the amount of bumps he took, the amount of yeah, the amount of crazy things he did it just yeah, just baffles me how he's not got yes, yeah, not in the wheelchair or anything like that. It's just a testament to how strong the man is. Yeah, I mean, I think Mick even knows that the rating's kind of on the wall for him because there's a, a big Mick Foley storyline coming in a couple of months, which by all accounts, especially to Mick, was maybe his big retirement, but it didn't work out the, the way we thought it did, like retirement-wise. Oh. Well, it's, it's, just, it's just, oh, God, the worst WrestleMania in history. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, do, I do want to say, just go back to this thing, though. I do, I do want to say that there was a, a funny bit, though, was uh, Al Snow, no beer, no champagne, but he days himself in milk. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Such a Kurt Angle. I think I'd accept for Kurt Angle, but I didn't realise Al Snow was such a, was so into his milk. Ah, uh, see, I think Alpha's the original out of the three eyes. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, his first bollocking of the night, Austin confronts JR, asking him, basically, what the hell are you mean about what's that next? And, and JR is basically like, like oh, I, miss, I misspoke, I made a mistake. And he, he tries to just pass that off to everybody, like, I, I, I made a mistake, I just misspoke. 
And it is a case of like everybody's reading far too much into it. Like, it gets worse when Vince arrives, though. Oh god, the, 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 the Vince ones. Uh, I think the Vince ones are worse because look, I think the the best ones Kane. Mhm. Because Kane obviously isn't speaking at this point, but then yeah, the Vince one. It, it's like being told off by your mom. You know, you done something wrong. And you stand there going, okay, I didn't mean to do it, I'm sorry. And it just keeps going on and I shout it. You go, okay, I'm sorry, I've said sorry how many times? What's <laughs> <laughs> even doing this back then? He's, he's like, saying sorry, he's, he's, he's looking for a... He wants redemption, he can't wait a week. He needs it straight away. I was like, in kayfabe, like, like, behind the scenes, also JR's one of the big like, players behind the scenes working alongside Vince. And like so, you get why he'd be at basically any show. But cafe wise, JR has basically now been made the raw guy, whereas Cole is the SmackDown guy along with Side Jerry. But yeah, like in cafe, you want to like other than this, like is this just that? Did they just drag JR to SmackDown and cafe just to get yelled at by everybody who has an issue with DX? That's it. Cafe was running. Well, it wasn't wasn't running truly dead at this point, but it was coming to. I think everyone was still. I think people are getting onto something like that. Oh, it's not actually real. People go anywhere they want to stuff like that. So I think that's what it was. It just it just wants to it just wants to apologise to him. That's what it was. He wants to give a big cuddle. He wants to apologise for every bad thing he said. So. Hey, uh, next test versus D'Lo Brown and the most attitude era mid card match. If you ask me, tell me a random TV match from the attitude era. I'd, Probably name guys like Tess and Dilo Brown as being in it. Like <laughs> it's the match that you get in WF No Mercy when you click random twice. Yeah, I, I, I mean I watched it and I just thought about I went I was going oh yeah because this is what I came to watch SmackDown for. <laughs> I know. Uh, even then the focus is even on the match because the posse are on the the ramp and like. Either they were standing very close to the camera, or they're somehow secretly mic'd because you could hear just about everything they were saying. Oh yeah, oh, it was pretty, I, I, I think I've got a quote saying uh, uh, the one uh, that took Mick to test about his hair mm-hmm. and said that he wants an ass on his ass. I don't get what that means, <laughs> but <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know. They, I don't know. Accused Tess of his head being the clowns, obviously about Stephanie and stuff like that. But and also because Joey absolutely Stephanie was jealous, and I, I just hate them. I think the notes are they're not called the mean street pussies, they're called the mean street pussies in my uh, in my notes. Because I think the whole storyline was one of them used to go out with Stephanie, at least in KV, and then that was part of the whole thing when Tess didn't approve of of it when she didn't approve of Tess. But like that's long and finished. So again, much like I'll know. Much like Val Venus and Lankin, like it's one of the things like could not let this die. I'm trying to watch I'm trying to watch fucking Dealer Brown who is not getting the reactions that he used to and who for some reason tries to fake a leg injury to get a win. Like which is a very undeal thing to do. That's a very heel thing to do. And it, mm-hmm. it, it works. It works it's a, it's a work. it rolls up test for the win, but uh the crowd is so amped for this. They are on their feet, they're jumping and Screaming up to they, they couldn't be asked. They'd be a lot me when I was watching this, was they going, could just match his end. But then what gets me is Tess isn't happy, but then he helps D-Lo up. I know. That, that's that's what baffles me. 
Like, I think it's the case of, like, what people say nowadays, most modern phases are made to, like, idiots. Yeah. And that's the thing with Tess, like, first, they try to make him seem like Wesley, a guy, like, in the match of world of wrestling by having a woman propose to him. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with it again, I'm just saying that's how they see it. Uh, yeah, the Mean Street Posse basically being, like, the old Muppets from who sit in the balcony basically heckling Tess during the whole match <laughs> while, while Tess getting get suckered in by the most obvious trick in wrestling by the guy seeking an injury and then he falls for it. But no, fair play to Dealer. Dealer sold it at the end. He kept selling that he was he was injured. Hmm. We'll come back up. But then the fact is that Tess, that's what gets me, Tess like a house and then he goes and chases the posse. And goes backstage, it's just like go, Tess, Tess, just go away. Just stop and think about what you're doing for once. I really feel bad for Tess because, like, they had so many opportunities to do more with him because, like, and Jeff Jarrett's thing was against all women, he attacked Stephanie, which surely should have meant that Tess should have got a proper, like, IC title feud against Jarrett because the China thing really wasn't working at the time. Uh, but nothing happens. He had a random thing on SmackDown and then he had a crap feud with Bulldog across a couple of episodes draw, which he lost. In response to Bulldog uh, hitting Stephanie with the bank giving her amnesia in the first place. Well, like, surely instead of lessening the rock with that No Mercy match, you should have gave Tess the No Mercy match. And I was like, it's like we're, we're mixing with the McMahon, which makes it seem like we have a, we think he's a big deal, but not enough of a big deal to get the matches you really yeah. should get. Not good enough to be on paper. Like, Tess is like, he, he, has that, he has all the attributes that Vince likes. He's tall, he's got. He's got, he look, he's got the physique. He's quite. He's all right in ring. He's not the best, but he's not the worst. I would think that a guy like Tess would have got pushed. I actually said with the IC title or something like that, but he got he got shafted hard by the McMahon's. Mm-hmm. Instead of him shafting the McMahon hard, he got shafted by them. Because like, yeah, he's not on. He's not. He wasn't. He didn't get on no mercy. I don't think he's on Survivor Series. And the poor bastard. I don't think he's even on Armageddon either. Oh, Tess. And Armageddon, when we get to out of all of them, out of all of them, Armageddon is the one he should have been on. And we'll get to the reasons why in a few weeks' time. Yes. Well, I, do, I, I do feel sorry for him. Mm-hmm. Right, accolades are very mean to, to mankind, which is, is how I've noted this down. Because mankind wanders through the backstage area. And basically, he tries to get help with the athletes. They're no help, and then he just they just throw a beer can at him at one point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the acolytes are lovely people, aren't they? Bradshaw is just the the embodiment of niceness. Yeah, something happened on like a raw like a week or so ago. That I didn't mention at the time. It was so like minor, and then like it wasn't mentioned on like, the phone. Smackdown was they did the first thing what would become the acolytes thing of them going to a bar. And basically starting a fight, and the slow transition from boring ministry accolades to proper APA is starting to come about. And basically, yeah. they go to some bar. They went to the bar. The Bradshaw beat the local arm wrestling champion, and then being a sort of loser, the guys threw some racial slurs at Farouk, and so the accolades battered everybody in the bar. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah. It, it, just, the APA are they are class mm-hmm. I know the accolades of that but they, when they become the APA and they sit around that table with cigars playing poker and the, the money all that they are really entertaining to watch 
Mm-hmm. But at this point, they are boring as hell. Because Bradshaw is boring as hell. Yeah. I, I have fond memories of JBL, like WWE Champion JBL, but I was still very young when I watched it. So The Rock's turn now to have a word with JR about what he said on Raw. And yeah. like, this is the second or so segment of the night where they mention it. Because like, JR and Eagle Go will eventually, every now and then, talk about it. So even by this point, we've got a lot more references to it to come. But even by now, I'm already sick of it. Well, the, the, the rock club is just, just catcher after catchphrase, where that, that's all the rock was. That, and yeah, yeah, again, he, he accepts his apology, and, and yeah, and it's just, okay, you said sorry twice now. Why don't just get them all in a room and say sorry to them there? I know. Or just like, out of, of all of them, the, you, all you really needed was a Vince JR kind of thing. Like, maybe one with Austin and that, but like, you didn't need everybody. Like all of them, like you didn't need the rock one, you didn't need the Kane and Tory one that we've got coming out. Just like, just yeah. get it all, you can get it all out the way in one segment. Like, because the thing with SmackDown is something, because we know it's a tape show, but then sometimes it feels like, yeah, they're still so desperate to fill time. So basically, they film so much stuff and cram it all in. Thinking, like, we need to make up time, but then realizing they don't, they have too much time and then keep cutting shit. So then you have these minor segments that, they feel are important, but they really aren't because these the stuff with JR backstage doesn't take up a large bit of the show, like individually, and then just no. coming back and coming back to it. Yeah, I heard, I heard that's what it is. I think that, that, that's the thing. If, if he if he says sorry to Shane and to Vince, that would have been that would have been okay. Mm-hmm. But as you say, he didn't say say sorry to everybody, and it could have just got done over one little second. But no. They just dragged it out, dragged it out, and just started going, oh, just, 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 I think the main reason Rock and Austin are annoyed is because, like, like Shane didn't win the title, because to the Rock and, Rock and Austin, that may have meant it was easier for them to win the title on Sunday, sorry, at Survivor Series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that, that could be, because I think Shettle would be to beat Shane quick, a bit easier than Triple H, but, yeah, obviously... Well, we know how far as it goes, but yeah. yeah. Uh, following on from the eight man tag went on Raw, where the Hardys and Christian beat hard, the Hardcore Crash and Two Fool. We now have Two Fool taking on the Hardys because uh, at Survivor Series, I'll be Two Fool and the Hollies against Hardys and Edge Christian in a Survivor Series elimination match. What's weird about Two Fool is now they've actually got like their the too cool music that you think of when you think of too cool, but because they're not like over yet, they'll still be portrayed as heels. It's weird to hear that music and not hear a pop follow it. They come out to very much silence when that music hits. Yeah, and also Michael Cole not using the two cool names. He kept calling um, uh, Scott Taylor and uh, Brian Christopher wasn't calling him Gramercy Sexy and Scotty Too Hotty and Jerry Lawler kept having to tell him throughout commentary what their names were and he just wasn't having it. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time that they've been properly referred to as a Grandmaster Sexy and Scotty Totty because before they were like Scotty, Too Hot, Taylor and Too Sexy Brian Christopher but now they're officially, as Jella said, oh they're officially called the Grandmaster Sexy and Scotty Too Hot and then Michael Cole and then eventually JR and it will keep getting the names wrong. Which really makes them look worse than Jerry. They're because Jerry all looks like he's just trying to get these guys over with their new names. Whereas yeah. the other guy 
forgetting them, but you know, it's not the first, it wouldn't be the first or the last MGR would probably forget how to pronounce someone's name. Oh, you dear, I was about to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I've also just thought about this match. Jeff Hardy's hair is cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it is. I mean, yeah, um, Hardy starts strong. I put the Hardy starts the match strong, but Terry is pointless. Yeah, like uh, kick, kick the pervert. Like, like that's the, there's a point where Brian Christopher Grandma City grabs Terry Reynolds' arse, and I wrote down this is probably the one and only time Gerald Lawler was truly proud of his son. <laughs> oh, uh, Perviness truly runs in that family. Yeah, but too much. You've got the the king of the pervs as <laughs> as the, the matriarch, and yeah, I could understand why, but. I just put this. Jeff Hardy is just too good. Jeff Hardy is really good. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. at this age, even even now, even at this point, sorry, he's just too good. Yeah, you can uh, really see with the Hardys, like the way they're with them moving the ring. Like obviously, they're, they're, they've been doing the uh, the TLCs. So, like they've done the ladder matches recently, and they're taking risks. But like you can see the difference in how they move. It's even like a few years from now. In the timeline, because like they've not really like had that much wear and tear yet, but like I think very soon, like the amount of TLC matches they do, you see the injuries pile up. But here they're like they move quicker than you remember them because obviously, yeah, they have the injuries haven't came yet. I st- I'd still say he, I, I I think it's I, I, a lot of people probably agree with this one, but Jeff is better than Matt in a I, lot I, of ways. Matt's good, but I do think Jeff is better than Matt. I think Matt's has done better character work than Jeff. Jeff, I think, in ring has probably usually been better than Matt because I think a lot of people prefer like Matt's like V one character, and then as soon as Matt became broken, uh, I think a lot of people switched from Jeff to Matt. Yeah, yeah. I think if you want to talk about Jeff Hardy's character work, look at Willow, and you'll see that Jeff Hardy has no idea how to do character work. No, no, Willow You'll see that Jeff Hardy cannot come up with a character while sober. That's what you'll learn from Willow. It's <laughs> 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 oh, oh, too hot. He usually like, wore like long pants, but this time he's wearing shorts, which I've noted down. He looks like an extra from White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's true. I, the, 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 way, the way they're walking as well, they look like they look like the white kids trying to fit in and stuff like that at school. It's like that. I, I, I don't want to cover. No, I'm not, not going to say that because of what's happening right now. But they do look like white kids trying to fit in with with uh, groups that they shouldn't be trying to fit in with. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also going to say Terry actually did something useful as he slapped Scotty too hard and the Jeff did the swan time for the win. Um, and also the thing in here that I, I found out was Michael Cole called the Trista Fate a net breaker. <laughs> Didn't call it Trista Fate, he called it a neck breaker by Matt Hardy and then just jizzed all over Jeff Hardy doing the swan time bomb. I do feel sorry for Matt. <laughs> Yeah, especially at this point, it's clear very early that Jack, given he's got the college hair and he's doing a lot of the, the off-the-top stuff like the swanton, he's already getting a lot of more fever. 
from both fans and from people in the company. Yeah. The thing with, thing with Terry is that obviously she's shown her use as the manager. Like the week previous, she distracted Mark Henry to help the Hardys get a win, and then she's helped as a distraction here. And also, you want to make use of Terry because also he had the whole series version for him to earn her services and all that. But like, it's not very much what you think of with the Hardys as using their manager to just as a distraction to get wins. It's not. It's not what you really think of when you think of the Hardys. You think of a guy who put them their bodies at great risk in order to win matches, which got the which got the crowd on the side like his baby faces. But like, it's a very heel thing to have Terry with the Hardys. I think that's yeah. why we realised this is not a good fit. Because, who did it? Was it Michael Pierce Hayes that came out with first? Yeah, they had Michael Hayes, then it was uh, Gangrel for a while, and then Terry Reynolds, and then eventually we'll get Lita. The thing with Michael Hayes, apparently, is he thought they were doing a new version of the Freebirds when he got to Matt and Jeff. So he basically yeah. went out of Berlin and got some like, clothes that, made, that would make Matt and Jeff look something like the Freebirds. Then they said that they'd only wanted um, Michael Hayes to dress a little bit more like the Hardys. Oh, God, no. <laughs> so, like, you see no, some of the, no. see some of the early the stuff Hardys. that they did. See some of the early stuff with Michael Hayes and the Hardys that you see them, like, Michael Hayes is wearing, like, the long, dark pants, like, the multicolored, like, shirts, like, like a dad trying to fit in with two emo sons. <laughs> I, I want to see the Hardys dress like, um, yeah, I want to see the Hardys dress like Michael Hayes now. That would be brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's what, the, that, that, that was, um, what, what I took from, I watched, obviously watching the Undertaker thing on, uh, the WWE Network is Michael Hayes has some, uh, has a, a, an eclectic amount of suits and shirts. They're brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, well, I figured the one backstage, the hose give mankind some valuable information on Val Venus. Where they basically mention a group, a bunch of like strip clubs or places like that where Val might be. And then as mankind's walking away, you can hear the hose very loudly talking about like one of them thinks mankind's hot and the other one who's like, "Are you serious?" And like they're very loud to fit the fact that the mankind's maybe far away. Like, again, it's, every, it's just everybody mic'd up and not realising it on this show. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, WWE 1999 is just brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> hey. Oh. Sorry. I was just saying, then we get another bloody mankind, sorry, another touring Kane JR thing. You're just there going, oh. Yeah. I mean, just go be fair to Terry uh, Tory, she's a bit more diplomatic the way she talks to JR. Again, just stands there looking very angry. And then, and what it would prove to be the biggest cliche of this era, a limo pulls up. Oh, who could it be? And it's Vince McMahon uh, coming out the limo. Like, <laughs> the fact that this has become such a thing most of the time in wrestling, especially the one I never got was like, oh, a limo pulls up. And then an hour later, we cut back to the limo. And that's when the person gets out limo. Often or not, the, the the engine is still running when they cut back an hour later. Like, you've just been sitting there with the motor running the whole thing. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, they don't care about the environment, do they? They're not willing to burn, petrol to burn. That's what the, that's what the McMahons do. But, yeah, you, yeah obviously, we see when they're pull up, you, you know it's a McMahon. 
Mm-hmm. Always, I just said, no, it's going to be a Mech Man coming out, because it's what they do. And right. I was like, it was Michael getting excited. Oh, who's it going to be? I think everyone said, going, Michael, come on, it's Vince. It's Vince. <laughs> Shut up, Michael. Uh, European title is on the line. We have Edge taking on the British Bulldogs. It's the thing with the European title. I think out of all of them, we'll just, they'll just announce, oh, so-and-so's getting a shot at the European title with very little rhyme or reason. And the only thing I can guess from this is Edge is the one they got the, the pinfall and the eight-man tag and somehow this earned him a, a European title shot. But uh, the thing is, Gerald Lawler tries to say, say that Edge should not be European champion as he's never even been to Europe. <laughs> yeah, that got me. Was Okay, so what about Dealer? <laughs> Dealer did do a whole thing of like claiming that he was hailing from it and then he would say he had like a different city in Europe or maybe just Gerald Lawler didn't remember, doesn't remember that he's just being a dick. Yeah, it was brilliant. I was gonna say, I would say that Dilo probably is the best European champion that that, that had that belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say this though, um, Edge's jacket is—I I want that jacket. <laughs> it's very vivid, <laughs> very, very, very nice and red. But it, it's just—it uh, just shows that even that. It, it, just watching Edge from this time period here. Did you ever think you'd be the? what he would become at this stage. I don't, I don't think anyone would say that, would, would they? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, uh, you've got Christian, the headbangers, and the Main Street Posse all around ringside. And like it seems like, like you've got eight guys on one side, eight on the other. It seems like, well, this would make sense if they were setting up for like the Posse and the Bulldog versus headbangers and Edge and Christian. But that's not what they're doing. The Posse and Bulldog are in a different series match. Hairbangers are a completely different Survivor's match and as are Edge and Christian. Like, so it's just guys all coming together for no reason other than to at some point have a massive brawl, which pretty much every segment around this time seems to end in. And after a while, you become numb to it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Just, you, you'd be watching just going, right, okay, so what, this is going to be a DQ. Just get it over and done with. Just get it over and done. Come on. You can just see them coming there going, right, okay. And I thought, no one cares about Edge and Bulldog, and that's been quite mean to but no one cares about them. And Bull- yeah. Bulldog at this point is just in a shadow of what it used to be. I guess it's seven years since it's actually signed that long from when he was when he won the title at SummerSlam to what he is at this point, and he's just going, oh, Bulldog, why? Why are you like this now? <laughs> yeah. Wait. There's a, there's a DDT spot on the outside where D, uh, Christian hits the DDT on Bulldog on the outside uh, behind the wrist back, rolls him back in, Edge hits the spear and there's a brief one where like, like I don't remember Edge being European champion so at least, at least I was sitting for that brief second and then again DQ, Posse involved, massive bro. I'm basically starting, I should get a stopwatch every time there's a mid card at this time and just time how long it takes from bell ringing to the match being called off or there being some sort of DQ because it doesn't usually take very long and I'd also like to point out Edge has never been to Europe he's been he's been to England as part of the as part of the UK pay-per-view so technically yes he has there's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a point worth making yeah. uh, and what's all been culminating to 
because he's actually JR, as we mentioned earlier, yelled at by Vince McMahon. Like, and I'd like to make a defence here. Like, JR, Vince yells at JR, how could you think I would purposely hit my own son, hit my own child when we are six months removed from Vince being revealed as a higher power and where she was, he orchestrated the kidnapping of his own daughter by the Undertaker. So, <laughs> intentionally hitting your son with a title belt does not seem that far-fetched by comparison. And also, uh, well, I think Russell 17, where he fights his own son in a street fight, mm-hmm. and he feeds his son to the Undertaker at WrestleMania 32. He fought Stephanie in an I Quit match at, like, I think it was No Mercy 2003. Was that, was that with the Big Show help as well? I think so. I yeah, know there's, always, there's, there's always just an image of him choking her with a pipe from that match, which is... Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say quite a pair, but I just, I just look at Stephanie at that match, I just completely shut off what happened to it. Mm-hmm. Because Stephanie McMahon at 11 at that point, Jesus Christ. Good luck. Uh, we'll, we'll move on. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I was so down at that point, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> we'll move on from the GR thing because we talked enough about it. Let's talk about something worth talking about. Man King goes to a strip club. Yeah. 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 The owner, if you know, saying to the the guy says he, doesn't, he hasn't seen him. So, uh, Mankind tries to take some money to bribe the guy. Then when, when one of the troopers comes over, Krabs takes the money from him and offers to give Mankind a lot of dance. He, he says no. And before he leaves, he takes the money back. Brilliant. That, that, that bit, I couldn't stop laughing at because I thought, he's uh, not going to take it. He just leaves over, takes it back and just walks out. It is brilliant. Mick Foley is just, yeah, he's so good. And anybody who really knows Mick Foley knows he's very much a bit of a cheapskate through his years on the road. So that is a very much a Mick Foley thing to do, taking the money back. And I'm pretty sure it was just like a dollar or a couple of dollars <laughs> they took back. It wasn't like as if he gave her like a 20 or anything like that, like a hundred. He took like, like a couple of dollars from a random stripper. <laughs> I will say that, that, that stripper was quite hot. And I, I mean, my notes for uh, Mag Closet Strip Club and it's looking for Venus and the Closet Dance of the Hot Girl. Uh, brackets C man. So DX came out. Yeah, but Jerry head was on for that one. <laughs> really? Like, and again, in case you somehow forgotten what happened at the end of Raw, DX are here to remind you. And they cl- they try and say that Vince is joining DX and I've got a shirt for him and everything. Uh, is brilliant. I know, and when this comes out, his mic, his mic keeps fucking up, and I think they may have edited it down, so I have a feeling this segment went longer with the mic issues than it did, because like there's only a few like seconds of not being able to hear Vince before you hear Triple H yelling, this is a freaking billion dollar company, we can't get a mic that works. God, and yeah, great life, great life. Then Vince, and his big gravelly voice yells, I'd rather join WCW than join DX. And even though fucking WCW is probably dead and dead and buried by this point, and there's no way they can beat the WWF, there's still a massive pop by the fact that Vince said WCW. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he mentioned the competition. That is shit. <laughs> I, I I just want to make one thing. Though, just go back to um, X Pack. X Pack. His fashion choice is a bit odd because why has he got a football jersey on and dungarees? <laughs> I don't know. 
I'm the, uh, I, 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 I was more. I, I mean, Greg, the promo was good, and the WCW thing was quite good, and yeah. But I just look at X Pac going. You've got a, you've got a hat on. <laughs> you've got a football jersey on, and you've got dungarees. Who did you look in the mirror and go? Yes, yes, this is what I want to look like. He's given up, up trying to be likable, so he's just going to dress like a complete twat. Yeah, yeah, but well, even back then, I don't think dungarees with a football jersey was appropriate attire. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but, uh, Vince does make uh, the main event for later on. He says he's going to make a traditional eight-man Survivor Series match. It would be all four members of the DX versus Kane, The Rock, Stone Cold, and Shane McMahon. And well, I think this is weird. Like, oh, it's a traditional Survivor Series match. Well, Survivor Series started off five on five. And then for a while, became four on four. And then went back to five on five. Then went back to four on four. And then now five on five again. So really, you can't really call a Survivor a traditional Survivor match anymore. Because the numbers will fluctuate depending on whenever it sits them. Yeah. Well, I think the, the team that's been put off is brilliant, though. That, that, the, the, the teams that are announced. Obviously, look at it, look at it now. You've got, was it Shane, Rock, Austin, Kane. That is a dream team, that is. Mm-hmm. I just, I go, that, and I think, again, looking at uh, someone watching it now, thinking, that gave away DX versus those four on mm. a free TV show. Yeah, I think we some of the like, big matches they give on SmackDown, it's a case of the show is still very much in its infancy and they're very much trying to pop the ratings at any stage, even though they know that like it's unlikely that Thunder would beat them in the ratings. It's also on a Thursday, but I think like, there's a lot of other big shows on, or maybe on a Thursday night, that they're trying to beat like proper like, like comedies or series like dramas. So you're like, we need to be like the top-rated show on a Thursday. So like, what's the biggest match we can put together? Yeah. I mean, was it the first match ever... No, so the main event of the first time SmackDown was Rock versus Triple H, who's Sean Marks as a referee. What a match yeah, that was. Right. For free TV, that was amazing. So every episode had a fucking buried alive tag match. <laughs> oh, I missed that stipulation. <laughs> so, back to Mankind. He's now at a peep show, which feels like a very dated thing. He opens one door, and there's a woman who's trying to cover herself up. He grabs it, he goes in the elevator, he pulls it to somebody who he thinks is evolving into the guy who's got his pants down. And, he, and then you hear Mick Foley go, get it back in there, you pervert. <laughs> and then he goes into the third, opens the third door, there's nobody in. But he's, he's clearly seen something, and Mick wanders in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mick Foley. I didn't want to get into the entire time. He was holding his, his, his mankind mask and the tank title. Uh-huh. That's he carried them all around with him everywhere. Oh, bless him. Well, Who comes up laughing at that? We may as well mention what happens later. Vince, apparently, Mankind spent so much time in that future show, he comes out and his car gets towed. <laughs> yeah, his car gets towed away. <laughs> He's just standing there looking all lost. Are you thinking, what have you been doing in there, Mr. Foley? And then he comes back to you here where well, the yes, is still going on about East Tag Title one, and then he gets jumped by Val Venus, who is a way to get sent a message to Mankind, and then it's revealed the hose, they were in on it all along. <laughs> so Val Venus <laughs> paid them off 
to give mankind false information. And like as funny as the mankind stuff is, so Val Venus's plan was to get rid of mankind so he could attack Val Venus to send a message to mankind. But mankind wouldn't know that Val, that Al Snow got attacked because mankind wasn't at the arena. It wouldn't have and it wouldn't have a way to get back to the arena because his car's been towed. And like if Val why didn't Val just wait for mankind at whatever location he was sent to and jump from there? Like fuck off, Val. Right. <laughs> Why are you transporting logic with WWF? I don't know. Just like, oh, it has to, like you've been there for such a long time, banging your head trying to put logic into WWF. Oh, the moment I would have had with Liam about this, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's just like all these segments, like that were very funny with Mankind looking for Val. Like you guys say, they were all leading to something, and then you see what happens. Like it's a very underwhelming ending. Well, you know, that's what Valve is uh, famed for, underwhelming endings. <laughs> oh, hey! <laughs> Speaking of who's, uh, uh, the, Godfather, the Godfather takes on Chris Jericho, and the Godfather would be ashamed of the way his hoes were acting on, on this show, helping Valvinus deceive mankind. I mean, the Godfather, one of the nicest pimps you'll ever meet, the First ever Lee Pace Man of the Year Award winner, and he can't keep his hoes under control. No, he's a, he's a, he's a poor pimp. Because, I mean, he does have pimping it easy, but, you know, come on. I know. Uh, he's doing his usual stuff, like the uh, yelling pimping ain't easy and all that. When Cherko comes out and interrupts him and basically says that China will be his hoe at Survivor Series, uh, not very standard matches like Jericho is still a com- is still adapting to the style of the company, and as much as I love Godfather, you have to admit he's not the smoothest in ring worker. No. And and then Stevie Richards comes out and he looks like he's I said he he's, he's dressed like Katie Vick. That's what Stevie Richards' outfit can best be described as. And he, <laughs> he, he tries to hide in amongst the hose. Even though he stands, he stands out like a sore thumb. He gets, <laughs> he gets the hose up on the apron to distract the ref, so then he can come in and attack Jericho and cost him the match. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing throughout this segment. I couldn't, because <laughs> clearly it's a man in track. I know, and they thought he's one. They somehow think he's one of the hose. Like, did you not think it was suspicious there were four hose a minute ago, and now there's suddenly five? And the fifth one is somehow more muscular than the other ones. <laughs> he's very, he's very tall, very <laughs> muscular as hell, <laughs> and he's wearing a wig clearly. But no, no, they don't. And uh, Ken White is a very poor referee. <laughs> yeah, Ken White seems to always be involved in the Godfather matches, and he's he's very easily distracted when it comes to the whole. I mean, granted, the, the, the women are, are quite, I feel bad saying the hoes, but granted, the women are quite, they're, they're quite good looking, they're wearing outfits that show off their features and stuff like that. But you are a referee, you do your job, you rest the match, you leave them alone. But he's, I think I've got, uh, from just looking at this, Tim White is always distracted by people, so is Teddy Long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, Godfather beats. Jerry Craft of this, but Tim White at the end is lying down in the middle of the ring 
with all the hose on it. Yeah, that's happened quite a few times. Like Tim, Tim White. I mean, you can't say he doesn't love his job. Oh no, no, Tim White has probably the best job ever. Yeah, uh, used to ride with. Used to be the guy in charge of Andre the Giant back in the day. Um, I've I've watched that Andre thing on HBO and Tim White's story for how much Andre would drink is just it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think Andre the Giant has the record for most amount of um, alcohol consumed in one night. I think if I could just get it up, how much he actually drank because it is. Just, just amazing how much he actually did get through. Uh, he got through 156 beers in one sitting. That is 73 liters. Jesus Christ! I could drink. I could probably drink about 153 and then feel like Ugh, I'm down like that. <laughs> but no, honestly, the, the stories that you hear Andre and Tim White is just it's brilliant. Right. Uh, and also, like he owns Tim White owns like a bar, which which apparently they used a lot for like when they were doing the ADA bar segments or whenever they needed a bar. He used for like a pre-tape segment. It would always be in Tim White's bar. So every now and then, fucking the show up at Tim. Right, Tim, we're here to smash up your stuff again. <laughs> I'm shocked that boy left. I I, I don't because I, he left because did he get? There was one match where he got absolutely battered with it, and then. He wasn't seen again. Yeah, he got injured in a, like, a hell, well worth in a hell in a cell match. And then yeah. he came back to work for a while, but he just wasn't the same. So he just had to like retire as a referee. Yeah, it was t- uh, 20, 2004. He, uh, he had to retire. Mm. It, was a, it was a shoulder injury against uh, Jericho. Uh, sorry, for a match between Jericho and... Uh, Triple H. Triple H, yeah. But then he injured it again, counting a three count. It must be a twenty with Jericho and Christian Gates. Just like Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho ended Tim Weeks for your pass at Bastard. <laughs> oh, so, Chris Jericho Chris Jericho is a bastard right now, but we'll, we won't get into that. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you, Jericho. I'm glad the Godfather beat you. So post match post match Richards is backstage and all of a sudden Steve Richards is a obsessed fan of China. And I think if he may be like some sort of weird, take the piss out of some of the more hardcore sections of that are really obsessed with their favorite wrestlers, or is he really trying to imply that anybody who's a most fans of China or weirdos? Um, well, since I go to wrestling shows and I see wrestling, I see wrestling fans who cry when wrestlers go to Japan and they they do all that. So this this happened at the last show. Chris Brooks was going to Japan. Mm-hmm. And there was this person that was dressed like Chris Brooks crying because Chris Brooks goes to Japan. And I'm just there going, oh, you get, you make wrestling. See, I look at you and I think, do I really want to be a wrestling fan? I seen, uh, I get you a lot. Like, <laughs> so I think that's what Steve Richards is going for. <laughs> like, I know, like, in most Japanese, even Japanese companies have ways you can watch them. It's not as if you're never going to see them again. I know. Like, yeah, she was told this. And, and I, I just, so I, I, I wanted a flag. That's because I was, there was a shiny Florida flag, and I wanted it. And she was there for like five minutes, crying, going, oh, "I'm gonna miss you." There, going. <sighs> <laughs> right. 
and I've seen people cry a lot more. I've seen uh, ICW, I've seen people cry because a tag team they like lost their tag titles. Oh, like, oh wow, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I'll check it's a picky party then, probably. Oh, no, it was uh, Kings of Catch, but. Oh, okay. ooh, cry at them. Oh, babies. Yeah. I've like, heard I've heard there's a crowd once at a wrestling thing. And I'll admit it, it was Undertaker at thirty three. I don't think I've ever actually cried at a wrestling thing. I, I, I it wasn't I wasn't born or anything like that. I think it was just a tear in the eye. Because mm-hmm. it was just thinking it was just they going, right, is this it? Is he actually going? And when he took his hat off and the the coat and the gloves and you see him go to the shower cool and then come back up and they're going, oh my God, it's actually going. And then everyone say, thank you, Taker. And then people crying in the crowd. I, I, I didn't have a tear in my eye. So it was always time I cried at wrestling, but people just take it to extremes. Like Steve Richards did by his dressing up and his chanting, but his chanting C-H-I-N-A was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was brilliant. Oh. Ah, Stevie. <laughs> Lillian Garcia just looking confused as hell. Do I smile? Do I laugh? Do I look? What, what, what do I do? <laughs> I, I still think Lillian Garcia is probably one of the best that they ever had in terms of um, interviews and stuff like that. And she's just yeah. incredible. So, the feud of the, the our favourite feud here on the podcast, the big boss man, the big show, went up to a new level on Raw the subject where Mang, where Big Show was in the trainer's room talking with Michael Cole about trying to crush the uh, boss man and Albert in their car the, the week before. He's like, you know, trying to idle stairs like, I just saw Red. I knew I could have crushed them. And you know the scary part is? I didn't even care. Like, so he tries to sound like a scary like giant, like you're quite clearly putting this on. And for a giant, you're clearly a nice guy, Big Show, which is why it's hard to buy. And then like, as you would, suddenly you see Bossman and Albert putting on gas masks, and then they throw cans of tear gas into the room. So Michael Cole and the cameraman leg it, and the big show somehow doesn't get out. <laughs> and <laughs> so then, that, was, that was funny. So, so then Bossman and Albert with their gas masks come in as the, the tear gas is like fading, and they just beat up the big show. And then I, w- I was waiting during Bossman and Albert's like, tag match later on for a Big Show to come back out and try and get his revenge and try and chase them off. But no, that's the last you see a Big Show on, on Raw. And you don't see him again until here on SmackDown. Oh, just, just, yeah, as I said, this feud is the feud of the century. It's what we all want to see and everything like that. But I was watching, I was watching that segment and just laughing at the Big Show. And I laughed at Monk on the camera running away. Big Show, he could get to the door, but flying about, and then coming in with the gas mask, beating him up, and then, yeah, it was just, but for all the hype of this match, Jesus Christ. Like, they, really, they really are ripping the arse out of like, the eventual payoff of Big Show getting his hands on, on Bossman and eventually killing him. Really, like, yeah. Bossman does try to immediately like get away from, from Big Show and like, you know this is not the culmination. They're, they're probably not going to get this away on TV. They're still keeping this going. And uh, it basically ends in a double count out 
bunch of agents and referees trying and try to separate the big show and try to calm down, which is uh, both Dave Hebner and Sergeant Slaughter getting choke slams. Yes. Brilliant. All, all I'll say about this is it was yeah, it was annoying to say that he didn't get a pie off it was DQ, but Big Show was booked like a monster. Mm-hmm. I, I think the point is, imagine if she was booked this way always. Well, from what I've, I've found out, apparently, according to Bruce Pritchard, Big Show pitched this whole thing. Apparently, this feud was somehow... I may need to do more research on this, but allegedly Big Show was a big part in coming up with this feud with Bossman. Like, because I know he, in reality, this is all, I know this is all about his dad, but he, in reality, his dad died years ago. But, like, we all thought about, like, who, who thought this would help get Big Show over? And the, the idea that Big Show himself somehow thought he could get over and look more human by having a feud by somebody making fun of the fact that his dad died or whatever this shit is about is just so bizarre. But then it is that genera where something like this would get over. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. If they, if they, let's wait, if they try this now, Okay, WWE would get abused, the wrestlers would get abused, they'll be like, oh, this is not funny, this case was stuff like that, but back then it was, I'm not saying it was okay, but it was acceptable for angles like this to happen. Yeah, because like, we've seen that with Ambrose a couple of years ago where he tried to make a comment about Roman and his leukemia and how immediately everybody was like, that was, you should not have done that. And yeah. There you, got, there you got nothing but shit for it. That is the best comparison to like doing something like this now. And on the next episode, I think the uh, the, the angle, the the moment that this feud is most remembered for is coming next week, and I can't yeah. wait to talk about it. Oh, I, I watched it. I'm there going. I I knew it was coming. I didn't think it was next week's one. I think I, I thought it was coming a little bit later. And I just I watched it. I just sat there, and I ain't gonna lie. I did start laughing. <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed, but I did. And um, you feel bad for laughing, but you can't not. I don't. I, I, I sat there. Go. I sat there. Go. I should be laughing. At this. this is fucking hilarious. I think I laughed because it was. Ch- I, I think, and also the thing that gets me a bit. I, I, I feel bad at myself. Is I laughed at Boss Man's coming <laughs> in the card. <laughs> That's not funny at all, but it is funny. <laughs> but I was like, oh no. But to go back to the other thing that they did, another thing WWE did, they got uh, ridiculed, was the um, Reed Flair thing with Paige and Rick mm. Flair. I look at the um, look at the outport that got was basically Rick wasn't aware or something like that, and sheer emotion, and Paige said it without consulting Rick. It's horrible to see. and I, I, I said stuff like this wouldn't fly now, but I said back then it was acceptable to me because it was a, a different mindset in life. Yeah, cause like a thing that just goes to how much, how quickly they backtracked on the whole Reed Flair thing is that was said on the Go Home Raw, and then the big immediately in the recap for the feud and then throughout the actual match, it's a variety. The they quickly retracted and there was zero mention of it. They didn't show that in the recap. Like, it was just no. how they realised that they'd made a mistake. It was a horrible thing to watch. I remember watching it going, oh, no. Now, normally, I can, I can watch stuff like that and not get all with them. I watch Game of Thrones where brothers shag sisters and get stuff like that happens. But 
I watched this and went, oh, God, no, this is a bit bad. Mm. Oh, God, a bit distasteful. Come on. Apologise for it. Because oh, I, I was expecting to come out and stop that segment or something, but they didn't. They carried on. I saw Ric Flair crying. They go, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, you bastards. Right, should, we get back, should we get back to the main event? The main event of the show. Yeah, let's, let's move away. Let's not let's something, something more positive. So, Survivor Series match for the main event. Uh, Shane, as the non-wrestler, rightfully gets the shit kicked out of him for quite a bit. Kane comes in, dies off the top, and I was very annoyed that Kane got low blowed and hit with a famouser and uh, then eliminated very quickly. He got yes. hit with an X-Factor, which finally put him away, and then immediately gets back up and choke slams X-Pot. And then what I thought was funny is I think Shane then immediately slides in and tries to pin X-Pot off the choke slam. The X-Pot is apparently immune to choke slams all of a sudden and kicks out. <laughs> that's spared them as what well. Shane spared him. Or did it? Yeah, she shows Spearman. Yeah. Vince walks up. When uh, Kane gets eliminated, Vince walks down to ringside, sp- gets spear to X Pac by Shane. But then he says Shane is. X Pac is immune to all this because X Pac is just brilliant. He's the best of, of all time. He's done good in his football jersey. And. But then Shane's next to go, so the rock, the rock comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, I think they've got uh, a break. And literally, as soon as they come back from break, the first thing you see is Shane getting hit with an X-Factor and immediately pinned. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, on, my, on my one, there was no break. It just carried on through. So unless uh, your way, you cut off. But, um, well, I think it went, I think it went to black. I think sometimes they go to black. Like, oh, we'll be right back. And it goes to like black and then immediately comes back to where they picked off okay. from. And then when they came, when it comes back to where it picked off from, it goes, we're back on SmackDown. And as they're saying that, Xbox is hitting them with the X-Factor. So, like, well, you didn't miss much in break, but look, as soon as you come back, there goes another one. Yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's four on two. Mm-hmm. And then, as I said, so Rock comes in, but he gets double teamed by the New Age Outlaws. So then Rock, um, the Rock Bottom to Road Dog, the X Fact gets involved, and each of Shannon's by DX, Triple H, um, Cheap Shots Austin. And they get allowed Billy Good to double team the Rock. The Rock gets manhandled a lot in this. Yeah, because like, I think Austin, again, as we talked about, is knackered. He's all these injuries. So Austin is mostly on the apron. So it's very much four on one against the Rock for most of it. And the Rock has to eliminate, like, get, gets to eliminate like three out of the four members of DX before they'd be eliminated by a pedigree from Triple H. So like, Austin just sits on the apron, does a bit of a brawl at the start, but then doesn't really come in until the very end. Yeah. He, he, t- he gets hot tagged in, uh, lands at DX, stunners X back, so he's gone. Uh, then Rock gets tagged in, people's elbow, but it was stopped by Triple H, and then Rock, Rock, then Rock ends up rolling up Billy Gunn in the rest of Billy Gunn's gone, so, they, so it's Rock and Austin versus Triple H and uh, Road Dog, I want to say at this point. And then pedigree, Rock gets pedigreed, and then he's gone, so it's Austin. So, no, so yeah, no, it's just Austin Triple H left at this point, and then, yeah, Vince, Vince then starts getting weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vince is sitting around, like, he keeps looking more and more concerned the more the match goes on, like, especially when the numbers game is in favour of DX. Yeah. And then, you just there, go, did you at this point know that 
Well, obviously, you probably knew, but they'd just go, oh, it's going to happen again. It's going to be the same position as Monday. Vince is going to smack Austin with the chair. Triple H is going to win. And yeah, I say hit him with the title. And yeah. I could see Vince getting involved in there. As soon as he got in the ring, you could see, like, oh, God, they're going to do it again, aren't they? And then Vince, uh, Triple H ducks. And Triple H hits Austin with a chair, yeah, and basically like rinse repeat of what happened on Raw. DX win and like Austin looks at Vince as to say like you and then Vince looks so like worried about what Austin might do in retaliation yeah. even though like, it was like an accident. And like so yeah, like what with Raw and Smack doing anyway, DX kinda on top and Vince looking like an idiot and like, I think this one is again like, oh, is this an accident as well? So then continues that fucking narrative. And like, like what what reason would would Vince have to cost both Shane and Austin? Though you got to think, I know I'm applying logic, but like, the whole thing is that he hates DX. And even when they offered them to join them, he said no. Like, oh, then they're implying it wasn't an accident. Like, well, what would Triple like Austin, along with the Rockets, sorry, see, so there's a chance to take the belt from would get all the belt off Triple H, which Vince would probably want. And also, he gave his son Shane an opportunity to take the belt off of him. So what the hell, would, yeah. why would why would Vince want to screw his own son and then screw the guys who are trying to like take out Triple H? Surely he should be, like, surely it should be obvious that he's trying to help them. Yeah, he, he could do. I want to put Triple H in a, a handicap match for the WWE title and stuff like that, see if he comes on his own, or the ex band. For ringside, have triple, I think you have Triple H in a in a, a match he can't, he can't win. In a way, that's how you would do it. Again, I know try logic to it, but it's you just think you're right. He's been doing this because he's secretly in cahoots with DX. So I put us all off uh, the sense that Vince isn't part of DX. But then is that too clever for WWE to see if they can do that? And you think, yeah, it's WWE. They can't do anything really. <laughs> yeah, because like. Whole thing with like the higher fair thing is in the lead up to it, like the ministry or tormenting Vince McMahon at the behest of the higher power, who is then revealed to be Vince McMahon, which is really just seems like a swerve for the sake of a swerve. So you like, yeah. And when you actually look at it like that, you could see them basically try doing doing a rinse repeat, but with DX, like Vince being attacked by DX, then secretly Vince been helping DX all along. Yeah, that, that's what it that is. Would make. Yeah. It's, 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 it's awful in the way I think about that, but then it's something that you know they would do. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, what I was, because I was, I was re-watching, um, I was going to be watching old Raw and SmackDowns uh, before that. I've been watching the builds of the higher power thinking, right, this has potential to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And when it's real as Vince, I just, I remember sitting there, I just went, oh, for fuck's sake. Mm. Vince McMahon, there's the higher power. Uh, I just, I think I turned it off at that point and just went, oh. Ah, so, uh, so that was SmackDown DX again on top. And I'd say they started doing a thing that, because me and Nathan were talking about it when we the second episode of SmackDown we covered, there wasn't really much to remember or like there wasn't much to like look back on. So I'm starting to think like, to try and gauge like how good or how bad a show was, is there anything, is there one bit of this show that if you had to tell somebody go back and watch this thing from this episode that you would recommend? Uh, Mick Foley taking money off the uh, off the hub, off the stripper. <laughs> that that just that. Yeah, because I think other than 
then McFoley like stuff he's well even though I say like there was the underwhelming thing with it being revealed to be all a hoax and all that but like Mick Foley showing off his like comedy in his pre tape segments that without them this would be an even more dull episode of Smackdown oh yeah or if I speak of the world, it would be X-Pac's fashion choice. That, that, that's, what, that, that's, what, that's what I already said. X-Pac wearing a football jersey and dungarees and Mick Foley being a, a comedy genius that everyone to this day knows that he is. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't the best episode of SmackDown. I mean, I a lot. It took me two attempts to watch it all the way through. Yeah, I, I think if there wasn't the, the segment with... there wasn't the uh, Mick Foley segment that maybe a stretch the the Hardy's V2 cool as short as that was yeah. but like in terms of in ring action it's the best thing by far I think they've got to offer on this episode but we announced them this week on this week's episode something big for under the next episode next week the we're going to get an appearance from Arnold Schwarzenegger on Smackdown yes the box office the box office success that is all the Schwarzenegger mm-hmm yeah, because I keep uh, I forgot that the Arnie Smackdown was actually the go home for Survivor Series because I knew Triple H was the champ around the time where Arnie shows up because they have a bit of an interaction. So I'm very much looking forward to talking about Arnie being on Smackdown. Yes, it was it was eventful. <laughs> it was very eventful, uh, much more eventful than this episode. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It, I think that episode it had more keeping you engaged, but. Uh, yeah, this one, it was all right. It's something to shout about, but it, it was okay. Where would, you, where would your thumb be for this Then Thumbs up, middle, or down? Uh, middle to down. I think, yeah. I think Mick, Mick Foley saved it. Uh, uh, so Steve Richards as well was funny, but he was a, little, a brief bit. But I think, yeah, Mick Foley saved it from thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. Middle and down is like, Mick Foley and one or two minor things about this show save it from being a complete down because I think when you have a complete thumbs down episode then you know you've got a, a thumbs down episode and I don't think that's this one. So yeah, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that next week's episode with everything that's going to be going on with Arnie is going to be a definite thumbs up. But we'll cover that bridge when we get to it. Oh, definitely, definitely, mate. So recently, thank you for joining me for this episode of SmackDown. Well, thank you for having me, Scott. It's been a pleasure as always. Hey, uh, you want to give us your plugs and anything else on Rugby Pains you've got going on? Uh, plugs. Uh, so you find me on Twitter, uh, Arsenal's ninety ninety five. Find me on Instagram at Arsenal's ninety four ninety five. There will be uh, a special part of Formula One with me and Carl coming out hopefully in the next week. As me and Carl get uh, in that and also um, check back at all the. Uh, Smackdown uh, reviews that Scott said, and also the Rokopedia Film podcast, which is funny. And I'm going to say to you, uh, uh, you're a bastard. And you know why you're a bastard. <laughs> if you want to know what Scott's a bastard, go and listen to it. And uh, yeah, uh, Scott, your plugs. <laughs> uh, I know why, and I'm not apologising. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes. I'll something nice to call it me as well, but I'm just Gad. I don't know. I don't know what's more offensive, just Gad or Peter K. Well, I thought 
Uh, at least mine's just closer mine's just closer at home, you know. Like, would you rather would you rather like in Josh Gad trying to do a Birmingham accent to Richie or would you rather Peter Kane? I want to hear Peter Casual from the accent from Peter Sphere. <laughs> oh god. Your plugs, man. <laughs> I mean it's not I mean it's not the worst. I, I recasted I recasted Carl as a woman in that pod, so you got off lightly, I think. <laughs> Because when I when I heard that some people in Catherine's maybe on there going, Oh, bastards but that's not to me. <laughs> but no 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 other things you're both you're both bastards, but it was a, a very enjoyable episode to listen to. So you can find all that episode and all the episodes of this real retro smackdown review and also the quizzes we've been doing. Uh, on our back catalogue of all on good Android podcasts and sites, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter at Rogan Square Pines and get me at Scott McLean 1986. You can get my other podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Uh, ISP Rambling, we did our first episode in too long the other day. It's basically two hours of us basically catching up and talking about wrestling, Simpsons, and even subjects we hated at school. Everything's just thrown in there. And yeah, we have our, our website, Rogue Opinions 20, uh, WordPress, and our Facebook community, Rogue Opinions 20 at Facebook. And I'm trying to think of anything else, but I can't think of anything, so I think that's everything. So, yeah, I can't think of anything else. Until next time, thank you, Reese. Thank we'll you, Scott, for having me. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Rogue Retro Smackdown. Bye. What does everybody want? What does everybody need?